0: and we're back this is dump on the Ump, ostensibly a baseball podcast season six episode three this is the b-block coming at you from Champaign, Illinois. My name is Joel. With me tonight, as per usual, is Sam. Sam, how's it going?
1: Hey, Joel. It's going well. I'm coming at you live, as usual, from a chilly Brooklyn, New York.
0: Yeah, it's cold here, too. It's real cold. Um, so, tonight is the B Block, and we're going to try to do another episode of Everybody's Favorites. The B Block Book Club. And tonight's book of choice is Can't Anybody Here Play This Game by Jimmy Breslin, The Improbable Saga of the New York Mets First Year. So Sam, would you do us the favor of giving us a little synopsis of this baseball book?
1: Yeah, I'll start off by giving you a little synopsis of this author who is more interesting than the book was. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> Jimmy Breslin, right? That's his name? Yeah. <laughs> the famous journalist. He won a Pulitzer Prize in the 80s, uh, but he was really famous. He was a really famous writer for his ability to kind of uh, latch onto the viewpoint of, like, the common American. Okay. Uh, and really, he, he, like, wrote about, you know, Low end, he wrote about like menial labor and like, uh, you know, he kind of was like a champion of the little guy.
0: Gotcha.
1: Kind of became very famous. He was writing in New York City and he started to receive letters from the son of Sam Killer. Um, so he was actually the journalist that the son of Sam Killer was writing letters to, uh, during the summer of terror or whatever it was called when he was killing those people,
0: right? Right.
1: Um, And he's written a number of books, uh, a couple novels, a lot of other ones. uh, And he wrote this book kind of early in his career, I think. Right, 63
0: is great. Yeah. Right after the season. Right.
1: And so it's about the story of the Mets' inaugural season, which was the 1962 season, which has gone down in history as the single worst baseball season in American, in modern baseball history. There's been a couple teams. Before the live ball era with worse baseball teams, but never in the modern era. So uh, we'll just get right into it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I didn't like the book very much. Um, It was kind of, it had the vibe of this guy got drunk one night and wrote the entire book (laughs) while drinking in one night. Uh, It's only like 130 pages long. Uh, It's very short. Uh, And it's very stream of consciousness. There's no kind of linear narrative. There's no hard statistics of any sort. Um, uh, There's kind of nothing like you would expect. It it,
0: it feels a lot like random stories linked together. But they're not linked together. It's more just random stories.
1: Yeah, they're not linked together at all. It's just like everybody like 10 guys sitting around a table sharing anecdotes that are like at best third hand about the New York Mets
0: and kind of randomly told like even though the book has chapters the way that the chapters are organized doesn't really make sense
1: right and especially like you would expect a book about a single baseball season to kind of start with spring training and end with the end of the season but it doesn't do that it kind of just pops all over the place
0: yeah it's really weird and he didn't even like it's not even a collection of of like newspaper articles or something i almost expected it to be like him editing his newspaper articles and putting them together in book form but it doesn't even feel like that no
1: he definitely did that didn't do that i also don't think he was a sports writer so it's not even like
0: Oh, he was there. Oh, yeah. Um, um, I guess I kind of assumed he was the sports writer, but no, I guess not. Hmm.
1: No, I don't think he was a sports writer. Um, anyway, the point is, so that was I had a problem with that. Another problem I had was wasn't really this guy's problem. Uh, the guy, um, the writer, but it's written in 1963 about 1962, and there's like a lot of just assumed references like he references a lot of people and events and things as if the reader will automatically know who that is so just it basically it hasn't aged well right in addition to the fact that it wasn't edited well or written well to begin with um anyway (laughs) that being said it wasn't a wholly unentertaining book
0: at um, a couple of times.
1: Yeah, there's mm. there's good stuff in it, and it really does sound kind of like an incredible, uh, like cultural phenomenon, the 1962 Mets. So I'm there's... just gonna like lay this out for you. Joel, you chime in when you can. If I'm like yeah. you know, screwing up names, maybe correct me. But yeah, I'll yeah. try to. Um. Anyway. Uh. So 1957. This five years before the Mets' first season. 1957. Uh. The Brooklyn Dodgers. And the New York Giants baseball franchises, National League baseball franchis- franchises, leave New York to go to California. The L.A. The Dodgers are in L.A. now, obviously, and the Giants are in San Francisco. And <clears throat> I left New York uh, without a National League baseball team. I left them only with the Yankees, and the Yankees were like not—they were like the third most popular team in major league baseball in new york city despite their massive success
0: why i Um, had questions about that why was that
1: i don't know he kept referencing he kept saying that like the yankees were there but new york is a national league town that's what he kept saying
0: see i don't real i mean i mean he was there i guess but i don't believe him do you think it's all like um you know what's the what's it called all through history we will we history that the Yankees were always the best team in or not the best but the most popular team in New York
1: I think that they probably weren't I mean you know like the Yankees are all the way up in the Bronx like
0: right and the Giants were and in the Yankees. Giants
1: were in uptown Manhattan so like anyone south of you know hundred and 10th Street, or wherever that stadium was, probably was rooting for the Giants. And then everybody in Brooklyn and Queens was probably rooting for the Dodgers. You Dodgers. Know,
0: like, okay, yeah. And the um, Dodgers and the Giants were both good. Like, there were lots of all New York World Series. Right. Especially in the 40s and 50s. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, the Dodgers and the Giants left. And yeah. almost immediately after that, the, uh several like high society people as well as the mayor of New York started to hatch this plan to bring a national league team back to New York City yeah and so their original plan so the the mayor called up this lawyer whose name was William Shea right is that right uh, yeah um who the first like Mets Uh, The stadium was named after Shea Stadium Um, And he was kind of Put in charge of bringing Baseball, National League Baseball Back to New York City Uh, And he started working on it Uh, He initially was trying to Get teams From other cities to relocate um, And had No success with that Uh, And so then there was this other thing going on Like part of the reason why the Dodgers and the Giants Left New York It's because the owners were kind of colluding to make it so that every single team, every single city would only have one baseball team.
0: Right.
1: Um, And they were actually putting through a bill in Congress that essentially would make that a law. Yeah. Uh, And they were trying to monopolize a population base, basically.
0: Right. I'm really interested in that because baseball, according to the Supreme Court, was already exempt from these antitrust laws. And that's why like Major League Baseball was able to basically function as a monopoly already. Right. And so they but they wanted to strengthen it to allow the own. and correct me if I'm wrong. I'm just going to read this couple of sentences. It was an item known in Washington as H.R. 10378. It was a bill which, if passed by the House and Senate, would exempt baseball from the antitrust laws and would, in the bill's terms, give absolute authority to the major league teams to do whatever they wanted. The main point of this was, of course, to proceed with the grand plan of having only one team in the city. Right. Which, for the most
1: part, there is today.
0: Except for L.A., Chicago, and New York.
1: Right. Yeah. And San Francisco.
0: Right, Bay Area. Right. Bay
1: Area. Um, right? And then, you yeah, know... Yeah. No. I mean, I
0: guess the Angels are technically in Anaheim, but they talk about the Angels. Right, it's but also,
1: a- like, you know, the, the A's are technically in Oakland.
0: Yeah.
1: And the Mets are technically in Queens,
0: so... Right, but that's technically the same city. Right, it's not like they're in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Right,
1: right, right. That would be ridiculous. Yeah, it would be ridiculous to call them the New York Mets if they played their home games in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Right. Like no one would even do no that. One do that's that. ridiculous.
0: They'd be the New Jersey Mets. <clears throat> right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, so anyway, William Shay, influential influential New York lawyer, real. Uh, mover and shaker, I guess, is how you would describe him.
0: Yeah, um,
1: he's able to kill this bill somehow. I forget,
0: yeah, he goes so, to TC and he lobbies, right?
1: He essentially lobbies to kill this bill, yeah. and also, like, in that lobbying is an expansion, yes, right? Yep, so he gets an expansion
0: approved for two he new goes- games. New York and Houston were added to the NL. Los Angeles and Minneapolis were opened up to the AL. Right.
1: So, um, the, the AL teams start, they, the AL teams start the year before, 1961. Yep. And they had a player draft, um, of existing rosters, uh, from major league teams. And the major league teams could only like protect so many of their players, right?
0: Yeah. So, let, me, let me say one thing before you start talking about the draft because I have okay. questions about that. What it seems that Shea was able to do is that he was able to lobby against this bill and then threaten the AL and the NL with starting a third major oh, right. league. They yeah, would yeah, trying yeah. to start a third major league if the two existing leagues did not agree to expand
1: right which is what people keep trying to do with the nfl yes um but baseball was kind of the only game in town back then
0: right relatively speaking true right okay so he had
1: started he and they wasn't even wasn't even just a threat he started um he started to actually go through the steps of starting a new league yeah um and then and then so when he did that they agreed to an expansion
0: yeah
1: right um and so there's the draft i forget what it's called it's like a rule something draft for these new teams right these new teams were able to um assign they they were able to assign a dollar value to their players and also um and then the new teams were able to draft from their existing players.
0: But does and, it like, is it like those games on the internet, where you know you have twenty dollars, who do you spend it on? And right. it's five dollars for Michael Jordan, four dollars yes. Kobe Bryant, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. So and so, but with the, when the AL did it, they did it with the rosters after the World Series has ended. Okay. So that means all of the free agents come off the rosters. They have to fill those roster slots with their top prospects from the minor leagues.
0: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> and so the, uh, the the Twins, right, and the uh. Angels <laughs> were able to draft. Like, they both were very successful in drafting young teams. Okay. They just scooped up like all of the best young players for low dollar amounts um, because the dollar amounts were like based on experience or whatever,
0: right. and
1: and that really pissed off the other owners in the American
0: League because they just took all the prospects,
1: right? Exactly,
0: uh-huh.
1: like took all their best young players and then like really kind of set them up to be successful within a year or two, but. So, With the National League happened the next year. The National League owners successfully lobbied the major leagues to have the draftable rosters based on their like pre-end of season rosters. Uh Uh-huh. So all of their young players were safe in the minor leagues. Yeah. And they just had a ton of like old guys who they were gonna dump at the end of the season anyway that they could get money for now. And the result of that was that the Mets and the Astros
0: Yeah, the were, Houston Colt 45s.
1: Oh, the Houston Colt 45s. Yeah. And the New York Mets...
0: And the New York Mets.
1: Mm-hmm. Were both They just...
0: Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> like, absolutely too. Like, we make fun of the Miami Marlins being a triple-A team, but this is like... This isn't even a AAA team. This is, like, they're all old wash cup guys, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: so they essentially, like, put a dollar... They protect all their best players, put the high dollar amounts on their, like, second best players, and right. then the these new expansion teams were forced to draft, basically, from the dregs. Yeah. And they played like it. Now, the Mets <laughs> began their season. They played in the old polo grounds, which were... Um, where Uptown. the Giants used to play in Uptown, 110th to 112th yes. Street, I think on the west side.
0: Uh, yeah, between 5th and 6th Avenue. Lennox Avenue.
1: Right. Um, and they... So they... Yeah, they did that. Um, it was a shitty old ballpark. Right. 279 feet down the right field line. Um, <laughs> and the Polo Grounds were the home of the Giants for a long time. That was like almost a hundred year old stadium at that point or I guess it had burned down a couple times but like yeah. there'd been a stadium in that place for almost a hundred or a hundred years or so Yeah, since
0: 1876
1: and these Mets were the last major league baseball team to play in that like hollowed stadium sure so the
0: Mets went
1: on to win 20 games right no, no, no they won,
0: they won 40 games they, they went won won 120.
1: And they lost 100 points, mm-hmm. and that is a that is a number that hasn't been matched right. to this day. Um, right. And but it was a it was a weird thing because people loved them, and they had almost a million people come to see them play that year in right. New York. So in like 80 games, they had almost a million people come see them play. Yeah. Um, and the media loved them because they were so like completely inept. <coughs> and they kind of spun this narrative that, like, nothing goes right for the Mets. The Mets are just like every one of us. Like, this, right. this is a team of the real people of New York because bad shit just continually happens to them.
0: Right. <laughs> like uh, There's funny stories about, you know, giving up, uh, you know... There's a triple play because, like, three Mets simultaneously make running errors. Right. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Right. Or, you know, and players that didn't used to be bad were inexplicably bad that year. Uh huh. Um, And they only won games when uh, pitchers pitched complete games, basically, shutouts. Right. Um, because they couldn't, no, no run was safe, no lead was safe, and they all, uh, and and they, their relief pitching was terrible,
0: right? So, um, story where they go to, uh, they they like pull a 28 year old relief pitcher out of retirement from Zanesville, Ohio, because right. he only needs 18 more appearances to make his pension. Yeah. And then the first pitch he pitches in the big leagues is a walk-off home run against, like, the Cubs or something like that. Right. Yeah.
1: Um, so. Right. Yeah. So this team was really bad, but people loved them. Uh, yes. And that was kind of the whole. But he didn't really explain why, I guess. That was a problem with the book. It's like yeah. they were just, like, the lovable idiots. But it's like that's not really the way it works. I, I don't know. People are
0: really into them, and then you after like Roger Maris breaks the home run record for the Yankees, right? Yeah.
1: And so their colors are Dodger blue and Giants orange. Yes. To this day, which is like the most unappealing like colors to look color scheme to look at, I feel like is orange.
0: Blue and orange. orange. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's just like it's very unflattering and ugly.
0: Yeah. Uh, as a as a citizen of Champaign, Illinois, I can't disagree with you on that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So here's my question. I have a couple of questions. Right. Um, it is a very strangely written book, like we said, very stream of consciousness. Yeah. The the last book that we did on B Block Book Club was about. Another terrible team, the Texas Rangers of the 1970s. Yep. Why do you think baseball, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I don't think so, more than other uh, American sports, baseball celebrates losers in a way that other sports do not?
1: Uh, That's a good question.
0: I mean, even Major League is originally about a terrible, terrible baseball team. Right. Well, uh,
1: okay. Baseball is a numbers game, right? Okay. So, this New York Mets team's 1962 set a lot of records, like all time records. And for, that, for being and in, of it, in, for like, okay, so let me read some of these to you, all right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, most games lost in the season, 120 games, stands to this day. Right. Uh most home runs allowed in the season, 192, which seems like a pretty low amount by today's standards. Um most pinch hitters struck out by one pitcher in one game. <laughs> Four. Four pinch hitters struck out by Glenn Cisco in one
0: game.
1: <laughs> most home runs by pinch hitters in one inning,
0: two oh. <laughs> oh, <cheer.
1: laughs> <laughs> um, most home runs by one batter in three consecutive games: Frank Thomas, six. Frank yeah. Thomas, really?
0: No, different, that's got to be a different, Frank Thomas. different. Frank Thomas, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, most assists by outfielder in one inning: that's two. Uh, batter hit most times by pitcher in one inning, <laughs> <laughs> and that's Frank Thomas who got hit twice in one inning. <laughs> <laughs> So that, that was Major League Baseball. Major League Records set or tied. This is National League Records set. Right. Uh, most home runs hit by first... Know, Hold on. So the, most, the, most wild pitches by staff in a season. 71. <laughs> most strikeouts by team in two consecutive games. 26. Which also is a low number now yeah most double plays hit into in one game six
0: (laughs) yeah there you go
1: that's a good one
0: most consecutive
1: losses at the start of the season nine yeah um and you know that that's those are like at that time anyway all-time records that's a lot of all-time records even though they're all terrible for one team to have they um And then these, they were the league leaders in 1962 in earned run average, uh, for a pitching staff at five Oh four, uh, most runs scored against an individual pitcher earned runs 137,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: most runs given up by a pitching staff, 801, uh, most runs given up by a team 948. So,
0: Yeah, it's it's just right, and it takes it takes an entire team to be this bad. Right. Uh, so what? they
1: led the league in worst ERA, most runs scored against,
0: uh, uh,
1: most. It's got to be most unearned runs. I can't imagine how they. Because they had 147 unearned runs. Looks like.
0: Yeah, that's that's a lot. 210 errors. And so it would also be watching like those old time. A uh, blooper reel, it's just kind of constantly, because that means everyone is committing errors in the outfield. Yeah. Um,
1: they also they this is a, a kind of interesting record. They had the highest home attendance by a last place ball club with nine hundred twenty two thousand five hundred thirty people.
0: Yeah. Okay, I haven't gotten to this part yet. I'm looking at their records. Um, from 1962 right yep so they went two and 16 against the Dodgers they went four and 14 against the Phillies they went two and 16 against Pittsburgh they their best record was nine and nine against the Chicago Cubs but then they've got this it says against Houston they went 3 13 and one. What the hell is that one? To tie? That's what it looks like. Right. I've got to figure this out. When was there a tie in baseball?
1: I don't know. I mean, I guess they probably didn't used to have lights, right?
0: No oh, lights at that. They point. would have had lights in 1962. Who's that against? Houston, the Houston Colt Forty Five. Uh, um. Another fun
1: part of this book, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to find it, actually, but uh, there was this one one Cardinal's great, right? Uh-huh. Who, was it Stan Musial? Is he a Cardinal's guy?
0: Yeah, I don't know if it would have been his time, but okay.
1: Anyway, this guy was going to retire, and then he said, um, well, you know, I probably can get, Oh, fuck, what is it? It was just basically, he was going to retire, and then he was like, oh shit, I'm going to be playing against the Mets this year. <laughs> so I had my stats. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't know. I'll, we can, we'll tweet it out. We'll tweet yeah, this we'll tweet quote that. out when we find it in the book. Uh, it's pretty good.
0: This game, sorry, I had to fall down this thing. It had to be called rain or something. Right. Because it was 7-7. Seven to seven. It was a game played on September 9th at Houston. The game started at 4 p.m. Uh-huh. Three hours and the ended in the eighth inning. Right. So it had to be a rainout that they just never made up, I guess.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah boy, it is crazy to go through. I'm on baseballreference.com and I'm just looking at the box score from this game from September of 1962 and they've got they've got I mean this is, we've talked about this before. Every play is recorded here and now they've got you know uh, proba- catch probabilities added to these games played in, you know 60 years ago whatever, however long this was. right. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um.
0: All right, Um, I had one more question to ask and then we should wrap this up. I was trying to find more examples of the weird references that he makes that just don't make any sense. Um, You know, like he spends like five or six pages on the boat. That they were trying to give away the best met of uh, the, the most valuable guy oh, right. the, for the year.
1: Who, right, lives in Tennessee or something.
0: Yeah, for, like away from any kind of lake that he would use.
1: Yeah. So yeah. Here's, the, here's a fun stat. We didn't talk about it. Uh, the manager. Yeah, like,
0: Stan to, sorry.
1: What, you saw that quote?
0: About Stan, uh, yeah, Fugial. They say something. Yeah. He, was, he was the one playing. I have not found the quote. Okay. Uh,
1: they So the Mets manager in their first four years was this guy, Casey Stengel.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? Yeah. And he was the most famous manager of the time because he was a manager of the Yankees for 12 years.
0: Right. And in those 12
1: years, his winning percentage was 623.
0: Right. That's good. How many – and how many um... – World Series, did they win? They won a bunch during that stretch. I
1: don't know.
0: But the, with the four
1: 50s. years with the Mets, his winning percentage was 302.
0: Right. But, you know, it's funny. I remember last year I went to um, the por- National Portrait Gallery in, in uh, Washington, D.C. And there was a picture of him because he was a real, you know, very unique looking guy right right and there's a little caricature of him but it was him as a Mets manager right like, I wonder if he's even as famous for being the manager of a terrible Mets team than he was as a great Yankees team
1: right yeah maybe I mean, I would like to rather uh, be remembered as a Mets manager than a Yankees manager, but that's just me.
0: Nine-time World Series champion. It looks like seven as a manager. Yeah.
1: Dodgers and yeah. Sandy Koufax threw four no-hitters against the Mets.
0: <laughs> Maybe not
1: in, that, not in that season.
0: Not in that season, no. Just in general. Yeah. All right. So, I don't know if there's any lessons we can take from this, but... People, you know, there is something about reading about really terrible baseball teams. Right. People like it. People I'm not are into it. it. I've got ideas, but it's still a weird thing. Well, it's and you know,
1: you bring that up, and it's interesting because I'm, you know, a Red Sox fan, obviously. Yeah. For the first 21 years of my life the Red Sox were losers, right? Right. And they were still, like, one of the most popular teams in Major League Baseball, despite the fact that they, like, hadn't won a World Series in 86 years. and But their fan base was just rabid, and, like, we, lo- we were, like, almost proud of it. You know what I mean? Like, the perennial loser, you know?
0: Yeah, the Cubs were, like, one of the nicknames for the Cubs were the lovable losers. Right, yeah. It's a thing, but damn Yankees! The movie is about the terrible Washington Senators and how a guy would sell his soul to make his baseball team good. Right. Very interesting. I think when we write a uh, baseball book, we should keep this in mind.
1: I mean, after we get our steampunk riches, and then exactly. we like our pet project of writing a writing a book about baseball.
0: Yeah. And everybody hates the Yankees. Right. Yeah. Cool. What should we read next? What are you reading now?
1: Well, I'm reading this book right now that's called, hold on one second. I'm going to grab it. It's called, it's what you learn after you know it all that counts.
0: Oh. What's it and about?
1: This an autobiography of uh, Hall of Fame manager Earl
0: Weaver. Oh, okay. Well, the and next.
1: Earl Weaver, this guy was brought to my attention. I was watching this baseball documentary with my girlfriend, and they were talking about this guy, Earl Weaver, and they were interviewing this sports journalist about him. And the sports journalist's story was like, he was really great with the press. You'd go into his office after games and he'd be sitting at his desk, totally naked, eating a chicken leg or something, and <laughs> just would talk about baseball for hours. So, <clears throat> anyway, she got me this book for Christmas. I'm very excited about it.
0: Nice. So I've got The wrong Stuff by Bill Spaceman Lee. The
1: oh. funny
0: book to come out of the locker room since Jim Bouton's Ball 4. Right. Uh, Talking about the Red Sox and the 1975 Vietnam his college days at USC where he smoked lots of marijuana. So I'm excited about this, but again, the quotes the blurbs say it is an irreverent book. That's what they said about Seasons in Hell. And I didn't find it irreverent. I just right. found it weird and kind of random. Well,
1: Space Man's a character.
0: Okay. He,
1: they He's interviewed a lot for the uh, baseball documentary. What's his name's baseball documentary?
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, the guy who does all the documentaries.
1: Right, the documentary guy's documentary.
0: Yeah, Mr. Documentary. That's his name. Yeah. Ken Burns. Ken Burns. Yeah. Alright, so we've got this. If you guys have any suggestions or or not suggestions, if you tell us that these books are terrible, I'm not going to waste my time. Uh, but I think we should keep doing this. I like the book yeah. club. Yeah. Hit us up with your um, recommendations and let us know if we got our facts wrong because I'm sure we got a lot of facts wrong. Yeah. Um, cool. All right. So this has been the B Block. Yeah, 35 minutes. We did it. Yes, we got content. Good job. (laughs) Uh, This has been Dump on the Ump. This has been Season 6 the B Block. Uh, Check us out on all your social media platforms. That includes Apple, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Dump on the Ump and find us on Facebook. For Sam, my name is Joel. Thank you very much. Have a good evening and a pleasant tomorrow. There is no way
1: that I, can see,
0: that I, can see I, I don't
1: own money, I don't own money.